This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The normal process of a team that's growing, growing together, uh, qualifying for the for the first tournament in 23 years was massive. That togetherness for the for almost four weeks together helped us to build and grow. And I think most Euros, you see that improvement. You see, you see the squad of players gaining more and more confidence. Six wins in a row at this level is no mean feat. Qualification was sealed in Budapest, which we made look a far easier game than it was. In Warsaw, where we played really well and you know, just conceded a late equaliser. Poland at home back in March, which March is a tough time with the players having so many fixtures with their clubs. To get the last minute goal there was a real show of character. So they're, they're the nights that get qualified, not tonight. That should give everybody confidence going into next year. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Steve Clark of Scotland, Gareth Southgate of England, speaking after their respective sides made the playoffs and qualified for next year's World Cup. Yep, World Cup qualification, final round of matches done. And the EPL returns this week. Uh, thanks for joining me this evening. for uh, Ross here, along with my special guests. I've got Craig Marias here. Hello, Craig. Hello, mate. Uh, yes, the Premier League is back, uh, but we had a pretty good international week, I thought. Oh, big week for a lot of new managers in the hot seat this <laughs> this uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Bob Holmes is also here. Hello, Bob. Hi, everybody. And yes, I did enjoy the international week for a change. Yeah. And I think I'm going to enjoy the next one in March even more. <laughs> And, and Des Corkill is, is also here. Des, I know you would have watched the uh, Malaysia Cup semi, semi-final second legs last night. A quarter-final second leg, yeah. Quarter-final uh, second uh, leg, sorry. Um, so Lango knocked out by Kuala Lumpur. Uh, Johor sneaking through against Kedah. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Trungano walloping Sarawak United. And uh, the triumvirate made up by Malacca, who I think of the dark horses. All right, we'll, we'll try and squeeze that in later. First, let's clear up the European playoffs then with a year to go until Qatar 2022. Uh, several nations have now booked their spots. Others face a nervous wait. Uh, not so for England, Bob Holmes. Uh, quite stylish the way they've, they've negotiated the final two matches. Harry Kane, single-handedly, seven goals. He's only scored six in the Premier League. He's scored seven in 108 minutes, Bob. Yes, and I think uh, an Italian gentleman will be very glad to, uh, to have seen that because uh, Albania's uh, defence and San Marino's lack of defence uh, have done Antonio Conte's work for him. If seven goals in two international games doesn't turn Harry Kane's season round, I don't know what will. So it'll be very interesting. There's a little bonus um, for club football uh, from that. Um, yeah, in England, I mean, what to say? 10-0. Uh, I mean, San Marino have only won one of, I think, 187 matches. Is, is that, Bob, is there a different feeling this time, though, to, to other qualification processes? Do, do you feel uh, Southgate's making progress from the Euros? Yes. Yeah. I mean, England are a better side now. You know, for the, have been a, a genuinely good side for a couple of years now, three years. 
Um, that's different because sometimes they did struggle even against San Marino, famously going 1-0 down after about 25 seconds. We talked about that. Um, but they used to make a meal of, of some of the minnows even. Um, so that's different. But I think what you've got is a, a side, uh, a squad that actually gets on well. Um, the players seem to be um, in glad of each other's company. There aren't cliques anymore, as there used to be famously between Manchester United and Liverpool players. Um, Southgate has done a magnificent job in that regard. There's no apparent racism or anything. It looks like a happy camp, mm. and it's a it's a talented camp. So ten nil against San Marino, fair enough. Yeah, it's a step up from a training session, just about, and it beds in a lot of guys who might otherwise not have been given the chance yeah. against a stronger team. I think that's probably the biggest benefit for Southgate. He gets to put on somebody who's not a nervous wreck playing San Marino where he might have been against Italy at Wembley. And he, and then he's got a cap to his credit and in one or two cases, a goal mm. like uh, Emil Smith Rowe. I mean, yeah. that's not a bad debut, is it? No. So all, all in all, England have handled this well. Yeah. Let, let's start. It's, it's coming home next year. Uh, from January, we will start playing it. <laughs> I've already some, started, Ross. <laughs> some nations are, are, are facing a, a nervous way. I, I guess the biggest shock, Craig, was Serbia denying Portugal an automatic qualifying berth. No one saw that. Mitrovic, eh? Hey, 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 hey. That nuisance of a guy, Mitrovic, uh, popping up again and breaking all those Portuguese hearts. Um, yeah, dramatic, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, I think over the years, we're so used to Ronaldo popping up when... Uh, when they need it the most and, and, you know, being the hero of the day. But I mean, what Serbia did over in, in Portugal was, was absolutely incredible. And, and the scenes after that, obviously, um, you know, in, in Portugal's own backyard, you know, just rubbing it in a little bit more and Ronaldo reduced to tears. Um, on the Shouting ground. at the coach. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I mean, what can you <laughs> say? I mean, I don't, I don't think many saw this coming. I mean, you look at that Portuguese side and I think we touched upon it on Monday, you know, it's yeah. a, it's a talented side. I mean, you look on paper and it's just oozing with talent and even on the bench, to be fair. I mean, I, I don't think even Bruno Fernandes started the game. Uh, I could be wrong there, but I mean, you know, they've they just got abundance of talent, but it's, I think Portugal's problem was always pulling it together. And yes, over the last few years, they've, they've, they've got, um, uh, they've, they've got lucky, they've won something, but you just don't feel that there's, there's always something missing there. Uh, with, with this Portuguese side and, and there's only so much you can really rely on Ronaldo as well um, at 36 years of age but um, incredible for Serbia absolutely incredible yo and uh, Mitrovic you know you can say a lot about him but I like him I like him as a player I, ca I can't for the life of me understand why he's playing the championship I can't I couldn't <laughs> understand why Newcastle let him go yeah, um, yeah. you know especially when they, they didn't really have a, a, a great replacement he's know? made he's for the, Newcastle really I mean he's well he's made for Burnley to be honest with you uh, I mean <laughs> how Sean Dyche has not gone in there for him now uh, you know baffles me as well but um, he, he's a Premier League player in my opinion he, he really is he can do a job for for, for any, any team I mean you know, mid-table teams and and below. Um, I can't understand why he's still at Fulham, to be honest. Yeah. 
Well, Portugal will join Scotland and Wales, who did really well in their final matches in the playoffs. The playoffs, are, there's some serious names. So the seeded nations are Portugal, Scotland, Italy, Russia, Sweden and Wales. They can face either or Turkey, Poland, North Macedonia, Ukraine, Austria or the Czech Republic. So it's, it's good news, Des, for the likes of Scotland and Wales. Uh, they, they actually have a chance in the playoffs. Well, they've got the, uh, the semi-final in inverted commas at home, um, which, which, which is good because the atmosphere of both Hamden and at the uh, Cardiff, Cardiff um, Stadium was fabulous. Uh, Martinez, the Belgian coach, said it was uh, wonderfully hostile, which I think is the best kind of atmosphere for a home <laughs> team to have. In the, the, there, was, there wasn't hostility, but it was aggressive. It was full of noise. It was, um, it was like, like a, a home international or a home match should be for a, for a home team. And, and the Scots, well, when Hamden gets it right, in my word, it gets it right as well. And they are two fabulous results. Beating uh, Denmark uh, for Scotland um, was, was... I don't think many saw that coming because Denmark were after a perfect uh, qualification. And Scotland have gone and beaten them. With the, again, you look through the team and you go, "Okay, yeah, that's you, you, you like them to compete, but you're not expecting them to beat Denmark." And then uh, for Wales to go out and come back from a goal down and uh, super, super key for more with the equaliser. <laughs> so he's now on the same. He's now on the same plane as uh, uh, De Bruyne. So it's fabulous for Wales. It, it is astonishing what yeah. Wales have done. You look down that side. And you can't, okay, yeah, there's Ramsey, yes, there's Bale. But you look down that side elsewhere and you go, there's no way they should be close to World Cup finals. And yet they are repeatedly. And um, I'll keep on predicting them to lose. I'll keep on predicting them to lose. Keep doing me wrong. That's the, that's the only thing. It's all about me. The playoffs will begin with six single-leg semi-final matches, played 24th, 25th of March. Then the six semi-finals are split into three paths, leading to three playoff finals, also decided by single match, those are played 28th, 29th March. Confused? So are we. But we'll talk about those in March when we, when we cross that bridge. Uh, let's, let's break into our EPL action early then. Uh, speaking of early, it is the early kickoff. It's game week 12 and Leicester City in 12. Take on top of the table, Chelsea. First, let's look at Leicester. There's, a lot of, there's been a lot of talk, uh, Craig. Uh, Brendan Rodgers joining, you know, taking over at Manchester United. This kind of talk, true or not, is going to, I mean, players read the press, don't they? I mean, it's got to affect the side, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no smoke without fire, in my opinion. Um, I, I do think um, the United uh, Chiefs are, are looking out there. Um, I do believe some informal contact would have been made with Rogers. Um, I don't think it's gone as far as house hunting in, in Manchester and all that as, as some of these um, uh, football outlets are reporting. But um, yeah, it does unsettle uh, because, I mean, as we've seen in, in recent weeks with, with Steven Gerrard uh, moving from, um, from Rangers over to, to Villa uh, straight after saying, you know, he was very happy at Rangers and, and this, that, the other, he's committed. Um, you know, it only took a phone call uh, from Aston Villa and, and there he was packing his bags and, and off to, to the Midlands. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think when, when a club like Man United um, do call, um, as, as committed as he is right now to the job, um, I, I think the players know, you know, when, when big clubs uh, come calling, um, whether you're a player or whether you're a manager, um, 
you'll, you'll have to make that decision. And, um, you know, I think, you know, as Leicester have found out uh, with their own players, uh, whether it be Man City, whether it be Man United, whether it be Chelsea, um, when the big clubs come calling, even your best players don't want to stay there. And um, yeah, yeah, and I think I and and I and I think they know. You know, I, the one thing which would probably save him is the fact that um, you know it's not it's not going to be done in the next couple of weeks. I think um, if they were to bring Brendan Rodgers in, it'll be done um, closer to the Jan transfer window or be done in the summer. Um, but like I said, you know, I think it is unsettling for the players uh, when when they see, um, and it's not not just one outlet. You know, the, there are a few that were reporting Brendan Rodgers to, yeah. to United. So yeah, unsettling for the players for sure. All right, the Foxes are currently twelve and fifteen points after eleven matches. They they drew one one last time out with Leeds before the international break. For Chelsea, well, I guess they started to a draw against Burnley before the break. But uh, Bob Romelu Lukaku is back in training. So it could be business as usual this weekend. Uh, yes, uh, but Timo Werner isn't. So uh, <laughs> poor old Timo. <laughs> business. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Chelsea will want to uh, put that uh, slip up against Burnley behind them, won't they? They've had um, a break now to get it out of their system. But Thomas Tuchel wasn't happy about that conceding two points to a club like Burnley. Um, who'd only just broken their duck um, this season. Um, I mean, that's how you lose titles with these, with these slip-ups. Um, but uh, he's not the sort of guy to um, let it, let it uh, sort of become a habit or anything. And they've got enough quality. But Leicester have got the knack of beating them most famously in the FA Cup final. It's the fourth now, time they've say, met this calendar year, isn't it? That's right. That's right. I mean, uh, that you could say it's a one-off. It was, a, it was the FA Cup, but it was a big game. And uh, no one's ever going to tell me that Chelsea weren't up for it. But mm. Chelsea, uh, Leicester deserved to win that game. Yeah. And um, so they know they have the beating of them. And that psychologically, that's a very big thing to carry into a game like this. And Leicester picked up a bit before the international break. They had revived somewhat, and this is at home. So I think Leicester have got a fighting chance here. They've also got some of the injured, the, the, the war wounded, uh, coming back at least into training. Um, Fafana, I think yeah. he's, he's in training. Um, and uh, Harvey, well, Harvey Barnes has already come back, hasn't he? Mm. But not quite hitting his straps yet. I think uh, uh, Tielemans will be out. Yeah, Tielemans is out. I think Madison has really got to kind of step up, hasn't he? Yeah. He was part of the England um, squad or fringe uh, a couple of years ago, but he's allowed the likes of Mason Mount um, to particularly to get ahead of him. So here's a chance for him to make his mark. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think this is going to be a tough one for Chelsea. Leicester have lost 14 of the past 16 Premier League matches against league leaders. They've kept just one clean sheet in the last 17 Premier League games. Chelsea have won the last three away games by an aggregate score of 7-0. Des, prediction? Uh, well, Chelsea are so uh, smothering in how they, in how they um, suffocate teams. Um, yes, they've, they've scored a lot of goals recently, but they've, they've got this capacity to keep it nil. 
Uh, Mendy has been, uh, Mendy and whichever is three centre-backs in front of him have been outstanding. Kante shepherds them like a, like a guard dog, like an Alsatian or maybe a sheepdog in front of them in that he's <laughs> scurrying all over the place. And that defensive shield is what all of this is based on. Leicester have struggled all season. Uh, they've underachieved. And this uh, Brendan Rodgers talk, true or not, will we'll just um, uh, worry. I, I think it takes, takes the eye off the ball. It's important for Leicester because if they were to lose, then they're a couple of wins away from a top six place. And suddenly, we're now approaching a third of the way into the season. Suddenly, ambitions disappear. This is a crucial part of the season for Leicester. Um, so I can see Chelsea smothering Leicester, getting another win, but it's the start of a, a, a torrid run of games for Chelsea. They've got Juventus, Man United and West Ham in the four games after this. So they'll be looking to make sure they pick up all, all three points here. I can see a Chelsea a smothering 1-0 win off Lukaku's backside. <laughs> Chelsea 12, <laughs> uh, sorry, Leicester 12 against top of the table. Chelsea is your early Saturday kickoff, 8.30 p.m., Back after this break. Desperate for him to shoot. Oh! A beauty! A moment to remember for Trevor Chalabar. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. How Aston Villa needed that. And what brilliantly taken goal from John McGinn. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back with Craig Marias, with Des Corkill, with Bob Holmes. Looking forward to game week 12 of the Premier League. Don't forget to sort out your, your fantasy football teams. Of course, this season's BFM Fantasy League is brought to you by my-soccer.com. Right, Aston Villa in 16th and under new management, take on Brighton in 7th. It's your Saturday 11 o'clock kickoff. It's a new dawn, Craig Marias, at Aston Villa. The, the Steven Gerrard era. <laughs> um, first, first thing I, I guess Gerrard will do, because he, he favoured playing four at the back. Now, Dean Smith was playing three at the back uh, towards the end of his reign. So I guess that will change. Well, we're going to have to see. He's going to have to get more use out of people like Bundea, isn't he? Uh, I'm not so sure if he'll change it up, to be honest with you. Um, I think one of the things in his press conference that he said is, you know, going forward, creating chances, uh, we do that really well. Uh, but it's at the back where they're conceding a lot of goals. Um, and and one of the main things he pointed out in his press conference was that he needed to tighten things up at the back to to stop those chances being created, to stop those goals going in. Um, so so I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps it at three at the back, um, just to, to, to steady it a little bit more, uh, to tighten things up. Because going forward, I mean, with, with the talent that Aston Villa have, um, uh, you know, it's never going to be a, a big problem creating chances and all that. So I think he might, he might uh, stick with it. Um, and um, yeah, like I said, you know, three at the back, he did really play that at Rangers. It's, it's, it's a fairly new system to him, but, you know, I think he, he's, you know, with his record so far um, as a manager, um, and I think he's had, what, 10 days, 10 days at the training ground or, or something like that. You know, he'll be all right, um, you know, getting that sh- team together uh, and, and making sure it's like, it's, it's obviously injury depending. And then if they have, uh, and who's fit, um, I think I think everyone should be all right. Uh, Tyron Mings and, and Manny Cash um, obviously went away with their, with their nations. Um, and I think they, they should be okay. I think the rest of the back line um, was, back at, uh, was back at Aston Villa. So I don't think too many injury concerns on that front. Um, yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he stays with three at the back um, like Dean Smith did. 
All right. Well, Brighton are a tough outfit this season, uh, as shown by their top half position. I think that they're seventh coming into into this one. Uh, but they haven't won since September. They've been they've been draws. They 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 they're plodding a little bit, Bob Holmes. But I mean, it's still. I mean, they're obviously still on the right track with with Potter. But they're they're all habits now. It's unable to put those chances away. It's 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 going to come back and haunt them, isn't it? Uh, well, uh, it could haunt them, but uh, they've probably uh, done enough to uh, ensure their safety, if that's what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> they, um, they did pick up a few unexpected wins. Uh, Surely the, now that the bar's got to be higher now for, for, for Brighton players and management and fans alike. Well, it is. It is higher. But when you see that they haven't really haven't solved this scoring problem, have they? No. Um, that's they got, they pop one or two in early doors, but um, now, as you say, they're reverting to type and lot of draws, and uh, you you do fear that they'll they'll slide down a bit more. But I don't, they're too good to go down. I'm going to utter those words again. They're way too good to go down. I think Potter is an excellent manager, but they've just got to find a striker from somewhere. Now, this is not easy when you're on a limited budget, but, uh, I mean, Danny Ings was was available. He went for 20-odd 20, 20 million, didn't he? Uh, he? He might have done the job, actually. I mean, there are, there are guys around, and also in the lower divisions, if you want to take a gamble. Um, they've not addressed that problem, which is a bit surprising. So uh, I think I can see Steven Gerrard getting his reign off to a, a winning start here because Villa are a good side. That's why Des and I put them in the top six this season. And I don't think Dean Smith was given enough time. Yes, he did lose five or even six in a row. But this is a guy who had taken them from the second tier to the fringes of Europe. I mean, they beat Manchester United at Old Trafford not many weeks ago. And if you'd said one of the managers at that game was going to be sacked by now, it wouldn't have been <laughs> Dean Smith. You know, there it's just a question of getting the best out of the, the three signings, I feel, mm. uh, for that they, um, they spent the Grealish money on. They haven't had the best out of them for one reason or another. Danny Ings has been injured a bit. Buendia's been involved a lot in South America comes back not quite right the quarantine issues and Bailey's been injured so he's he didn't have a fair crack none of these three players have had a really you know clear run in the side and I think once they do and once Gerard can fit in Ings and Watkins I think that's one of his big challenges then you're going to see um, Villa improve and then and Gerard will probably get the credit for it mm. Yeah, um, J J I was reading that apparently Aston Villa paid £14 million last January to sign French midfielder Morgan Sanson. Mm. And he has not played a single minute of Premier League football. He must train really badly. But I mean, do, do you agree, Des, that the, the Steven Gerrard new manager bounce at Villa is, is going to be overpowering? It depends how they defend. I think Craig got it kind of spot on. Uh, Conte has been a bit of a miss for them. He's a, an awesome figure, as is uh, Courtney House. The, those, those two with Tyrone Mings, when they play three at the back, are a formidable presence. If 
if they don't beat you up. <laughs> uh, they're, they're huge, huge figures. Now, two of those have been missing, and, and Villa reverted to a back four in the last game against um, uh, against Southampton, the 1-0 defeat. So it's, it's I think, how they defend. Because their scoring record, while it's not brilliant, it's more than a goal a game. It's 14 goals. If you're getting up to one and a half goals a game, you should be winning more matches. So it's just a case of that tweaking and that balance. Uh, concede less, score more. Easy game this football, and and Stephen Stephen Gerrard has got good players to work with. That's that's undeniable. Um, and he had decent players to work with the Rangers. What he did with the Rangers, he made them better than they than they were. If you see what I mean, mm. he um, he improved the sum of the whole was uh, greater than the parts, and he's got to do that with Villa. I hope so. Being a heightened lad and a Liverpool lad, I, I really want him to do well and come second in everything to Liverpool. But um, it, it's it's tough. Brighton, Brighton, a lovely little team. Terrific little team. Don't concede many. Draw against good teams. I, I'm, I'm seeing potentially another draw here. Okay. Well, they're, they're winless in six. Uh, the Seagulls. Aston Villa against Brighton is Saturday 11pm. That's 16th against 7th. Also under new management is Newcastle United. Second bottom at the moment because of goal difference. <laughs> they take on Brentford, who are 14th and on a horrid run at the moment. Uh, Eddie Howe bounds then, Craig Marias. That's what we're looking for at St. James's Park. Is he a good yeah. fit for you? Um, I think so. Um, I think so. I mean, he, he comes into a game playing at home um, against a Brentford side who, apart from the first game of the season, haven't really um, lived up to that that kind of hype uh, that we thought, you know. And uh, I, I I really like this matchup by Eddie Howe in Newcastle. I really do. And um, um, it, it all depends on how much money he's going to be given in January, um, uh, to be honest with you, because that squad needs improving. Um the, the core of it is is pretty decent. Um, I'd still improve uh, the centre backs. Uh, I think maybe even full backs. Probably the whole back line right now. <laughs> the whole, I'm just going to say the whole back line. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think in central midfield they could do with another body there. Uh, but then when you look at the attacking um, players that they have, when you look at the likes of Callum Wilson, when you look at the likes of uh, Saint Maximan, when you look at the, the likes of Almiron, you know those three on paper. They're, they're good enough to trouble a lot of teams. But maybe another um, nine to join the fold. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Probably just, just the eight changes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm going to say you know, they got Joe Linton, but he's not really a striker. Is he? <laughs> he, play, he plays better off the wing. He needs um, to go to Ajax. What? See what happens to Smashing Haller. <laughs> but but I mean, you look at you look at that and. and I mean, Callum Wilson is is good enough to, to to stay and keep his place in that Newcastle side. So, so when you're looking at number nine, I mean, it's it's just for squad rotation if that. Um, but yeah, um, I, I I think Eddie Howe's going to do really well there. I think uh, the most important thing is is he going to have the backing of the Newcastle fans, and, and, and this is something that um, that is a problem for for any Newcastle manager that takes the job. You know that you have to win the fans over. Rafa Benitez did it. You know his his. His results, Rafa Benitez's results, were exactly the same as Steve Bruce's. Mm. Exactly the same in terms of points, in terms of um, goals scored, goals against. It was identical, almost identical. Yet Rafa Benitez is is like a god in Newcastle, whereas <laughs> Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce, the the Geordie himself, yeah, um, is 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 looked down upon, and um, it, it's a strange one. The, the fans play a big, big, big part in that over there. I mean. 
Yeah, he. I mean, see, Bruce only kept his job because uh, Mike Ashley was there and didn't want to probably uh, pay him out. Um, so so it, it's a big task for Eddie Howe to win over because once they had those billions come into the club, you know, they probably were looking at the likes of Conte. They were looking at the likes of, you know, those, those high-profile managers that were out there um, to, to come in. And, and let's be honest, you know, Conte's not going to get involved in a relegation battle. Um, so, yeah, um, I think Eddie Howe's a good fit for them. Um, I just hope that he manages to win the fans over. But he's got a great chance this weekend against Brentford at home. Yeah, for Thomas Frank and Brentford, their dire run of results has coincided with a spate of injuries. Josh the Silver out, Matt Sorensen, Christoph Ayer. Uh, I heard uh, who Matthias Jensen's tested for COVID, uh, positive for COVID, so he's out for a while. David Raya, the goalie, knee problem, massive, massive loss. So, yeah, everyone leaning towards a Steven Gerrard Aston Villa win. That is an eleven o'clock kickoff on Saturday. Uh, sorry, <laughs> um, Aston Villa, um, Eddie Howe, Newcastle United win, of course. Rewind. Um, 19th against 14th, Saturday, 11pm, another break. Water needed. Back after this. Tony's there! On the mark for Brentford, as he so often has been. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. United scything through their defence and Marcus Rashford in the right place at the right time to double the lead. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And here we all are. Bob Holmes, Craig Marais, Jess Corkill joining me this Friday evening to look forward to game week 12. Of course, you can follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. I hope you're, you're Going well in our BFM Fantasy League this season, there are prizes brought to you by my-soccer.com. Right then, Watford against Manchester United. Watford 17th, uh, Man United 6th and dropping. Uh, Craig and I had a little chat about what might go on this season. And I mean, Craig, to, to, to say that Ole is, is hanging by a thread is... is it's quite true, I think. That, that is literally the situation, game by game. If he loses, he might actually go this weekend. Yeah. Uh, well, I said that after the Liverpool match and, uh, you know, he still managed to hang in there. I said that after the City match, still managed to hang in there. Um, so um, it might it might just take a Claudio Ranieri special uh, to, to see him <laughs> off. Um, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not calling for it, but what, what I will say is that after they lost 5-0 to Liverpool, I think it should have been done there. You know, no manager should be able to survive that. Um, if, you know, if, if you're a Man United manager, you can't survive a 5-0 at home. Um, and after that kind of first half performance as well. Um, so, you know, he's very, very fortunate to, to, to kind of see, you know, to still be in the job 48 hours later, if you, if, if you ask me. Um, but but we know how football works. Um, you know they they have to do a deal with the manager before they can sack this one. And um, for whatever reason, they they thought Conte wasn't the right fit. Um, but you know I can't I can't believe if United lose if United lose um, that they'll keep him in the job. I, I I just can't see. I I really can't. This this has to be the final straw. Um, and and again, uh, I need to reiterate. I'm not calling for him to be sacked now. 
I think he should have been sacked after Liverpool. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, if they were to sack him now, I mean, who, who are United going to go get? Yeah, well, know, at this they, stage yeah, of the season. Yeah, exactly. um, I, like I said earlier on with Brendan Rodgers, I think they, 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 there is something in it. Um, but I don't think they, they, they'll be able to get him right now. I think it'll be closer to Jan or uh, end of the season. So, I mean, that's where we are with it. But, you know, I think something has to change if, if they lose to Watford, you know, whether it's, you know, getting someone in on an interim basis until they get a full-time manager. I mean, let's be honest, that's what Ole was when he came in, wasn't he? He was an interim manager until they yeah. found someone. Yeah. But he just went on this ridiculously long run and uh, managed to secure himself a job. So um, I think they'll probably go down that route again to get an interim guy in and, um, and, and then come the end of the season, see, see what happens. All right. Well, Watford are in 17th place, 10 points after 11 matches. They, they've lost four of the last five games. There was that astounding 5-2 win over Everton, sandwiched in those losses. But, but Bob, this is, um, this is now literally over to Man United because this Watford are, are literally going to give Man United the ball. So United are going to have to try and learn to do something with it and at least keep it for a while. Uh, yes, well, with the talent that United have got, you you'd think? think that that wouldn't be too much of a problem, would you? Um, just on the management uh, scene, uh, Zinedine Zidane has been mentioned uh, in dispatches, and he's said to be warming to the idea. Now, that's, uh, I don't know what you United fans would think about that. Um, not necessarily a perfect fit, but certainly brings the, the ZZ factor, doesn't he? Um, I mean, he would be a glamour, big name appointment. There aren't a typical Man United type appointment as well, isn't it? The sort of appointment the Glazers and um, uh, Ed Woodward would, would like. <laughs> uh, so don't rule it out. I don't, personally, I don't think that would fit. I'd just like to say, you know, the... Um, the forgotten man, Ryan Giggs, had he taken Wales to where his deputy Bob Page has and the qualifiers for the, for the World Cup, do you think that he would have then been in pole position for the United job? Yeah. It's an uh, interesting so. thought, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 As so, a United fan, I, I tell you, I, I'd like the entire Ajax setup. Get me the director of football, the manager, everyone. Even bring Hal in. I don't care. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, ten, or, ten Hag. Sorry, Ten, ten, ten Hag. Who's, yeah. who's the manager? Yeah. Um, he was interviewed for the Spurs job, and he interviewed very badly. I heard they were not impressed at all. He didn't understand Kanch of personality. Lava. No, and he's a bit of a strange guy. That's what came out of that uh, meeting. And they didn't want to touch him with a barge pole. All right. So perhaps that explains why he's still at Ajax. Uh, well, it's set up then. I mean, it's certainly a game to keep an eye on this weekend. Uh, Watford 17th, Man United 6th is an 11 p.m. kickoff. So many games to talk about. So we have to move on. Wolves in 8th uh, uh, against West Ham. 3rd, West Ham could, could rise up to 2nd with a win. And Mikel Antonio, who was uh, involved with Jamaica during the international break, was flown back by David Sullivan at a cost of £100,000 a day earlier, Des Corkill, so that he can be fresh for the Wolves trip. 
um, that that's West Ham this this season now. That that that's the kind of level that they're at. And um, I mean, it's still a small squad that Moyes has, but they're performing, aren't they? I'm sure you throw that one in just for me to rail at the, uh, the profligacy of of, of, inter- of modern football. What a hundred thousand pounds could do to to um, social league soccer. To, uh, to I was thinking more about the carbon footprint, actually. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that as well. But it just shows the profligacy and under the two billion dollars uh, coming in from the United States as well. So the so the big boys will be happy. But uh, let, let let's get away from that. West Ham are being very good. I disagree. They've got a small squad. I think when they go to Europe, they they change seven or eight players routinely. Um, and, and Antonio is very, very important to them, absolutely, because he's, he's leading the line and he's bullying defences. Uh, um, he was the man who rather led the bullying of Liverpool um, uh, in, in the 3-2 win. And that will give them such a huge, huge boost in confidence. Not that they needed a boost in confidence, but now they've beaten one of the big teams, one of the teams who are meant to be in the class above them and deservedly beat them. So I think West Ham are now, they've got to turn their attention to these games like Wolves and prove that they can't just prove uh, do it on the big occasion, that they, that they can also go to Wolves and win the, the difficult ones because Wolves are in a decent run of form and I'll try and play football around them. But, um, but yeah, West Ham, they surprised me last year. They've continued to, pri- to surprise this year, but they were so impressive against Liverpool. Everyone said Liverpool were poor. I, I put it the other way. I say West Ham just out-bullied Liverpool, outplayed them in the end, could have won by more in the end, um, and thoroughly deserved to be in third place in, in the table. And they're talking confidently. I think it was Jared Bowen was asked, uh, can West Ham uh, continue this form? And he's saying, why, why the heck not? Why, what, what's going to stop us? We believe in ourselves. We don't concede that many goals. We've got the ability to score goals now. We've got Declan Rice and Sujek, probably one of the, the two hardest and strongest midfielders in the league. So with this, with this West Ham team, if they can stay clear of injuries, I feel could be a Champions League contender at the end and even be pushing for a top two slot. Yeah, Wolves have, have done quite well under Bruno Large. Uh, Huang Hee-chan has been getting goals for them. Uh, they no longer rely on Raul Jimenez. And, and speaking of Jimenez, he would have made that long trip back from Mexico, Craig. So he might actually be rested. But they've got, they, they got their act together, Wolves, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, I, w- I wasn't sure what to make of Wolves this season, if I'm being perfectly honest. They had um, Jimenez coming back after that serious head injury, uh, whether he'd be the same player or not. Um, you know, Adama Trier is still a hit and miss. Uh, Podence, you know, is he going to feature? Is he still going to be injured? Um, you know, there were a lot of question marks over this Wolves side, especially with a new manager coming in. Um, and I think they've done pretty all right, to be honest with you. They, the, the brand of football is a lot more attractive. Uh, they go out and win games. Um, I, I think Nuno was a little bit more conservative in, in that respect. Um, but they've got good, good talented players and, and they still got a few players out injured. Um, I, I think they're an exciting side. I think they, they've got all the tools to, uh, to give teams problems, uh, especially with the pace that they've got uh, in attack. And you add Huang to that, to that attack as well. And you've got someone coming, uh, coming over uh, into a new league, but adjusting straight away. Um, and, you know, I think as the season goes on, we're going to be seeing a lot more of him. I think with that partnership with Jimenez, Jimenez has taken um, 
not so much of a back seat, but I think he he's been allowed less to, pressure now. Yeah, yeah, less pressure on but him. He, all, he's yeah. dropped off. He's dropped off the front line. Um, and like I said, yeah, being that playmaker and, and threading those balls through, uh, probably a part of a of his game that we didn't know he had, mm. um, which was uh, you know we I think we all traditionally saw him as that that centre forward, uh, but he's 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 got something else to his game, which is which is good to see. Um, so I think it works really well because Huang, obviously with his pace, you know, makes those runs uh, runs over. I mean, it's a little bit similar if you think about it to Spurs and Kane coming <laughs> off that front line, uh, Son. Son making those advanced runs. Um, so it's a similar sort of uh, combination that they got going on there in Wolves between Huang and, and Jimenez. So, uh, yep, great, great stuff from Wolves. I think we're, they're going to trouble quite a few teams this season, uh, for sure. Bruno Large has only used 18 players this season. So Wolves have, have used the fewest number of players uh, this season. West Ham are currently unbeaten in 11 away matches in all competitions. They've won eight, drawn three. Uh, it's going to be a big one, that one. Wolves 8th, West Ham 3rd, Saturday, 11pm. Uh, final break. We will be back with all the other big games right after this. Antonio shrugged off the defender. And of course he scores. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Big deep breath. Salah. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Back with Bob, with Craig, with Des, looking at arguably the biggest game of the weekend. Liverpool fourth, Arsenal fifth, Sunday, 1.30 a.m. This one will kick off. Spotlight will be on Liverpool, who are... Well, who stuttered a little bit, Bob, who are starting to stutter, really, before the international break. We, I mean, you can arguably point fingers at Allison in that West Ham defeat that he was a little bit shaky. So he might be a bit nervous coming into this one. Uh, I don't think there's any argument. He was shaky um, and he'll be coming back from uh, South America. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he he's on the bench, actually. Um, it, it could Klopp, Klopp sometimes pulls surprises, you know. Um, he I mean, shared he a flight Liverpool with Fred down. back from Brazil, Bob. So well, yeah, that might back. have that yeah. might have some effect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, he he let he let them down, but I mean he he saved them numerous times. So uh, it's just a just a thought, just to let the other guys know they they can get in. You know, the the first team is not uh, sealed and. Bolted, um, but they've got injury problems, and uh, it, it's a case of Klopp just counting the the bodies on the training ground again. Um, second season in a row. This time it's midfield. A lot yeah, of Henderson's midfielders have been out, injured. Yeah. Henderson had a rib injury on England duty. Not sure whether he's going to be fit, although he was at training this week. Um, Mane was injured playing for Senegal, yeah, yeah. and uh, but again, not serious. But Andy Robertson, not quite sure. Andy Robertson is almost certainly out hamstring, of this game, it? anyway. Yeah, mostly hamstrings, but then you know your luck is out when one of the fit guys, Curtis Jones, gets a finger from a teammate in his eye during training <laughs> and he actually lost the sight of the eye for a couple of days oh dear i mean you you know your your luck is out then don't you i mean yeah. talk about sod's law 
otherwise completely fit. But uh, they've had to wait. He's all right. He, he was never going to lose at sight or anything, but it just took some time and obviously was a bit disorientated. But I think he's likely to start. But um, yeah, it seems as if when they get injuries, it's always the same position. Last, last year it was central defence, this year it's midfield. And they operating with a relatively thin squad. Klopp likes that because he doesn't like too many bodies around and too many people who are going to be disappointed because they don't play enough. So that's fine, but they've got to stay fit. And, you know, he can juggle them. Certain players like Fabinho and Henderson are adaptable. I mean, they were shoved into central defence last season in emergency roles, but it wasn't the same. And the front three suffered because the midfield wasn't working. Now the midfielders are are out. Um, James Milner, I mean, you know, he, re- he never gets injured, but he's been out for three or four weeks. Um, Tiago never gets a run in the side. He seems to come in, get injured in his first game back, and then he's out again for a few games. So this is very, very disruptive. And I think Liverpool have done well to, to be still be in the top three as it is. So um, this is going to be a tougher game than you would have thought some weeks ago because Arsenal are on a bit of a roll. So yeah. a, a tough examination for a, whatever side Jurgen Klopp can turn out. Yeah, absolutely, Des. Uh, Arsenal are on a roll. Ten unbeaten now. Uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, as we mentioned earlier, literally his stock has gone up in the last two, three weeks of, of football being played. Um, they're going great. Uh, also, the, the back, they're not conceding goals. Ben White and Gabriel seems to be a decent partnership at the back. So this could be a difficult game for Liverpool, yeah? Uh, a very difficult game. Uh, very dangerous, particularly on the back of a defeat um, uh, against West Ham. And Arsenal will come here without fear. And this is now uh, Arteta's team. Uh, we've been asking for two years, is, 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 is Arteta the man? Well, he has not tweaked. He has made wholesale changes. The white Gabriel was his call at centre-back. Uh, Tomiyasu at right-back is his call. Tavares, instead of Tierney, is his call. Uh, Lokonga in midfield, OK, they'd like Jacker, but Jacker's injured, but he solidified everything. And Ramsdale was a huge call that he made uh, in goal, and I don't think any of us saw it, but Ramsdale has turned into an absolute um, solid unit, good communicator. I think that's what I've seen. He talks, yeah. uh, he talks a good game, whereas Lena was a brilliant shot stopper. And there's the difference. The organisation's good. Suddenly, Aubameyang looks dangerous again. Lacazette looks interested again. Saka and Smith-Rowe are getting the ball in the areas that they want to. And this is, this is a very organised side uh, who are difficult to break down and are capable of hitting you uh, with goals. They, they've stopped conceding goals. That's the main thing. And every good, te- good team is built upon a, a solid defensive base. So this, this, this is Arteta's team now, and he can be judged on this. And they, they look um, like they'll come to Anfield and they'll, they'll try, and, uh, try and win the game and are certainly capable of picking up a point because Liverpool are stuttering, stuttering, mm. looking great, and winning big games, but then drawing against uh, Man City and they could have lost Brighton. They c- could easily have lost that one. And in betwixt that, you've got the Man United 5-0 and the Atletico 2-0, which are great for the headlines, but you've got to get the, the dirty games. You've got to win those dirty games. Um, and, and losing to West Ham will have just made them feel a little bit more brittle. Big game for, for big game for Liverpool. This. If they lose, they go out the top five. 
Well, Liverpool are unbeaten in nine Premier League home matches. They've won five, drawn four. Arsenal have kept six clean sheets in their last nine Premier League away matches. Uh, it's the longest current run going on at the moment. Right, still so many matches to talk about. Liverpool-Arsenal, Sunday, 1.30 a.m. Champions Man City, currently second. Take on 11th place Everton. Uh, this is Sunday at 10 p.m. City will, will look to continue. They, they, I mean, they've been impressive. We, we've made a lot. Of, uh, every week we talk about they're missing number nine, Craig Marias, but uh, um, they, they're making a decent bash of things. I was reading that maybe it's time for De Bruyne to take a rest. Uh, he, he's not De Bruyne standard this season, is he? Uh, it's not been the same Kevin De Bruyne that we've we've seen over the past few years. You know that fantastic, um, you know, world class midfielder. I mean, arguably the best player in the Premier League. Um, he, he's not quite been that, uh, and those are the high standards to live up to. Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, um, however, he's still he's still a he's still a very very good player, and, and still a player that can make a difference on the day. Um, but you know, he's had his injury problems. You know, have few niggles here, a few niggles there. And and it's he's he's about their age. I think he's about thirty now. Uh, where where these are, are slowly going to come into his game, and it's about how he manages it. Um, you know, the I mean, the, the advice would be obviously to to get fully fit. Don't play uh, unless you're fully fit. But you know, players like this want to play every game. You know, he doesn't want to miss much football. Um, he knows you know the career. He's got another three four years uh, probably at the highest level. So he he'd want to maximize. Um, this whole thing with City not having a striker, you know, I mean, it, it's obviously an issue. I mean, they went for Kane. Uh, but how long are we going to keep saying this? I mean, we can't keep saying this every week um, because they have a striker, but they play him on the right in, in Gabriel Jesus. Let's not forget. So they do have one striker, but they choose not to play him in that role. Um, so Pep's obviously, uh, he obviously knows something. Um, and uh, you, you look at the performances of, of someone like Phil Foden when he plays in that role, you know, fantastic. And the team kind of gels together with that false nine. Uh, you know, Foden drops out and you get like maybe Sterling or, or Jesus running in, uh, in into those areas. And there's a lot of rotation between the front three. Um, it works for City. You yeah. know, that's how they play. They, they don't really need... know how to play without a nine. They do know how to play without a nine. Uh, they can play with a nine if they had one at mm. 150 million pounds. Uh, but they don't. <laughs> so, so, so they move on and uh, and they're getting results still. So um, it's it's what you call very good coaching, yeah. very good management. Yeah, absolutely. They're massive favourites for this home tie. Uh, Everton, it started so promisingly, but uh, the Dominic Calvert-Lewin absence, uh, Bob Holmes, has proven very costly for Rafa Benitez and Everton. Uh, he's he's going to have to stem this run of defeats, isn't he? And it's a big game here. Yeah, um, more than we expected. Well, he's also been out longer than expected. I think when he um, was initially injured, he was only expected to be a couple of games. Uh, it seems to have been three months, I think, now. Um, a big focal point in the attack. Uh, Everton look a bit lightweight without him. Um Rafa Benitez started very well with some astute uh, signings, bargains from Europe. Uh, bringing back uh, Damare Gray was a, a notable coup, but he's gone off the boil. Uh, Rafa was wanted by the new owners of Newcastle, by the way. Mm. He was, although Unai Emery was reckoned to be the first choice, it was actually Rafa. But he said no, absolutely not, because he'd only just taken over from 
uh, from Carlo Ancelotti. I mean, he was just newly installed at Everton. It would have been ridiculous to to have uh, ditched them. Um, so he's got a he's got a a mission, Rafa at uh, Everton, and uh, it. But I, I think if anybody can sort something out, he can. And I think although this game they they're most likely to lose it, uh, and that that will see them possibly in the bottom half of the table. I'm not I'm not looking at the table right now, but I think somewhere around there. Yeah. So the knives will start to be unsheathed, uh, if not yet planted in the middle of his back, but um, he'll be under a little bit of pressure. And uh, he may well have to uh, make a couple of signings in the January window just to bolster this Everton side. Um, he tried to do it um, very judiciously and cheaply. And it looked as if he was, it was coming off, but injuries have proved too much. The squad isn't, doesn't quite have the depth to sustain a serious injury problem. So, uh, yeah, I fear I fear a little bit for Everton, and uh, can't see them winning this game. But uh, I have I do have confidence in in Rafa eventually sorting it out. Everton are winless in their last five Premier League matches. They've drawn two, lost three. That is a Sunday 10 p.m. kickoff. Second place Man City, 11th place Everton. Right, try and squeeze one more in before we go. Tottenham in ninth against Leeds United in 15th. Leeds United are not. Albania and San Marino, but Harry Kane will have his tail up Des Corkill. I mean, scoring is going to do your confidence good. Every striker. Well, I mean, for Conte, it's all about getting that, that Kane and Son partnership kicking again, isn't it? Uh, I, I bet he's done some curious, uh, a lot of kicking your backside to Tottenham. Um, <laughs> Kane and Son, I think, will always come good. I think it's more important to get the likes of uh, Deli Ali either interested or out. One of the two, because uh, Deli Ali at his best is is such an asset. Deli Ali uh, wandering down the left wing and not not uh, putting a tackle in is 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 a nightmare. Uh, he's also got to sort out defensively what what they're going to play. Is he going to revert to three at the back to help uh, Dyer, um, who I, I like as a player, but I don't think is is great in in, in a back two. So he's, he's got all of these things. Now, Conti's always liked the back three. So it wouldn't surprise me if pretty quickly we see uh, Tottenham revert to that because Reguilón is a wonderful wing back. Uh, he can defend, he can attack, and he will provide width. So I can see Tottenham shape-changing, if not for this Leeds game, then certainly in the next couple of weeks. And we'll very much see it to Conte's side. The Tottenham players are good players. There's no way they should be lingering. Where are they in the table? They're uh, ninth in the table. There's mm. no way they should have five defeats out of 11 matches because they're better players than that. They are definitely, uh, when you look at their players, a top six club. But they haven't performed that way. And it's, um, Conte's got to come in and, and, and kick some butt. And he'll be allowed to kick some butt. And then he'll cause an argument. He'll have a shouting match with Daniel Levy at the end of the season. He'll be gone inside 18 months. But by then, Tottenham will be in a better shape, I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, all right. Well, Leeds are, are, are pointing upwards now. They're only one defeat in their last five. Rafinha has literally dragged them to points in recent weeks. So they, they look good in that one. Quick mention, uh, Dean Smith is going to be uh, in the dugout for Norwich, uh, ironically against Southampton uh, in, in his 
first match. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. But that's it. We're, we're out of time now. We're going to keep an eye on all those games and, and talk about them on Monday. For now, I'm going to have to say thanks to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks to Craig Marias. Thank you very much, mate. And I'm sorry, Des, I've only left you this much time to talk about the Malaysia Cup semis. So thanks, Ross. Yeah, Malaysia Cup um, semi-finals Monday first leg. You've got Kuala Lumpur versus Malacca, which could be a little bit physical. Um, two teams who are fighting to restore old glories. And then you've got super-duper fancy Tringanu, who can score goals for fun or can see goals for fun. They're up against um, super-efficient Johor in the other semi-final. First leg on Monday, second leg on Friday. And then the winners don't have long to think about the final because that's the following Tuesday, November the 30th at Bucket Jalil. Brilliant. Enjoy your football. I'll speak to you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye now. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball next Friday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.